Okay, everybody, uh, I've been meaning to ask you guys about this uh, over the past week. We all know, I'm sure we all know, we've all seen little Elon Musk in a Wario costume over the past oh, week, haven't we? Jesus. I have and, not, actually. What? Really? Have you not heard about SNL over the weekend? Oh, I knew he was on SNL. I actually tried to avoid, like, everything I possibly could about it, because I'm, I'm I, not the biggest Elon fan. <laughs> I, I can't believe we're bringing this up. Yeah, I felt like I, I wanted to bring it up just because, you know, it's kind of not good. It's well, what like, what about it? What happened? Oh, it's a, it's a skit where uh, they're in court and Wario has killed Mario. And and they, Wario is trying to prove his innocence. I want to take my fucking earbuds off for this. It's so and bad. Elon Musk is Wario and he's, and he's just very awkward about it. And there's a lot of, as a Mario fan, there's a lot of things lore-wise that they just get terribly wrong. All right, they, I, what are you saying? There's a lot of angles. This is stupid. It's already a dumb thing, and you're going this exactly. around with it. It's already a dumb thing, and then they don't pay the proper respect to the source material here. They have Peach in uh, in the courtroom as well, and she has an Italian accent just like the others. I'm like, what are you people doing? She never has this accent. They say they go to the fuck. They cite something about Wario from the Super Mario Bros. Wiki, and then they open the fucking Wario Wiki instead and cite that. And it's like, what are you doing? That's not. That's not what you just said. You're getting everything wrong. And then they tie it all up with a joke about Kumo. Uh, both him and Wario are equally innocent in things that they Did are accused Kumo? of. Kumo. Yeah, Kumo. 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 Cuomo. <laughs> Cuomo. 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 Cuomo, yes. Strings. Well, I'm I can't say that I'm disappointed that I missed out on the airing of it. You really you, you dodged a bullet. But also to Mark's credit here, going against what Peter was saying there, I think some of the best things can come out of taking something already stupid a little too seriously. We need the analysis of Mario lore within SNL skits. We need it. I'm just saying, if you're gonna if you're gonna go full Mario, at least, and you're gonna say you pulled something from the Super Mario Bros. Wiki, and then open up on a slideshow the Wario Wiki. Well, I think that not, was probably that was probably a joke. I assume maybe maybe it was. The crowd never laughed to it though. They didn't do like a ha 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 studio audience laughter. Just moving on with the evidence. For the record, I personally wouldn't be I wouldn't be looking to SNL for accurate That's Mario where I'm lore. From. Oh, there's That's the picture in from. Discord. But and there he is. It is it is interesting to look at like what did they take seriously in the lore and what didn't they? Have a more analysis of the thing on its own. I don't know. It gets cringy. It gets cringy in its own of ways. Just because I just so many SNL skits really boil down to how did this get to the cutting room floor? Like how did this get past the cutting room floor? So many SNL skits nowadays, like not a single aspect of this is funny. Well, I can just, explain uh, how. Please do. And it's quite simple. They have to make the whole show in a week. Talk about crunch. SNL. That's oh all crunch, God, that's, actually, that's a really good point. And they just, the first idea that comes up, they're like, okay, yeah, fuck it, we'll do it. And, man. I've actually, really I, I've point. heard Andy Samberg talk about it. And he, he didn't have, like, a, oh, crunch and SNL take. He had more of the take of, like, yeah, we wouldn't have a show if we didn't stay up all night to do it. Which, 
you can think that's problematic, but also they're all comedians trying to make it. So of course they're going to that extent. I do. Yeah, you respect that. Um, but this is the BNY gaming podcast where I think it's unlikely we're ever going to have a full breakdown of this skit. And honestly, I think it's probably for the best that we don't. I'm your host. Only for the best. I'm your host, Owen Shannon. Joining me. I'm going back to my favorite co-host, Mark Gorski. How are you? A little bothered, but I'm getting past it. Just kind of getting past my COVID vaccine as well. Round two. Here I am. A little uh, nice, nice. lightheaded, I want to say. But for the best. It's for the best, everybody. From all of us are vaccinated. All of us have had both of them. The clear indication is that I'm the only superhuman on the team. Because I had no no side effects. And then more closer to my proximity, not on the West Coast, on the East Coast. You're not on my shit list this week either. Peter Gorski, how are you? I'm fine. What the fuck are you talking about? Your shit list. What are you saying? No, because last week, last week, no, last week I introduced Mark as my favorite co-host because you like earned your way on my shit list right before the intro. But this week you're not there. Understand? I, I'm also not the DM anymore. Apparently we're moving on from that. I understand that as well. You'll be the DM some other day. We're, we're 20 episodes in. First off, pat ourselves on the back. 20 episodes. But second off. Big two zero. Things can Things can change every once in a while. We go through cycles. It's okay. And one area where we go through cycles is what we've been playing. And we're going to start with Peter. Because I feel like your your cycle is very consistent. But have you shaken it up at all? this week actually let's leave the caveat obviously this is the prey episode we've all played prey we don't have to say that here can i say the game we're going to be doing for this month now that we're finally done with prey you can make the the announcement the next game we are playing for are we just calling it bny game club yeah let's do that uh this month's game is titanfall 2 and I've played, again, with it being the game club, I can't give too many thoughts. I'm about two and a half hours in. I'm trying to take my time with it as it's the stark difference to Prey, whereas Prey was a significantly longer game. Titanfall 2 is only seven to eight hours. And we still have a lot of May left to go, and I want to make sure I don't just rush through it all in one sitting. And then by the time we come back here and talk about it, that I've forgotten several aspects of the campaign. But uh, so far, it's... I like it. That's all I can say. I will say absolutely nothing else. And then, yeah, just the usual Warzone and Halo Wars 2. I don't believe I've done anything else, but Mass Effect Legendary Edition, two days from now, I'm going to be talking a hell of a lot about that next week, and I greatly anticipate it. I have two questions going off of that. One, is there any tech concern on your end? Because it feels like a thing where I want to wait and make sure it runs properly before I buy it. That was a question. No, no, no. Talking no, no. about Mass Effect? Specifically? Yeah, I don't know what he means. Because oh, the game hasn't, the collection hasn't come out yet, so we, we don't know how yeah. it runs yet. And there aren't early reviews because they're waiting uh, on a day one patch, so they're not giving out copies. It is a concern. It concerns me. <laughs> it's definitely I... a reasonable concern. Maybe it's not a day one purchase. I mean, I've already bought the fucking game. Like, I already have it preloaded on my Series X. Like, it's yeah. it's done. 
and, and obviously you'll be able to get into the trenches for us and tell us what it's like for yeah, the I mean, I experience. Could, I could say that next week. I will be more than willing. Listeners will even know by this point uh, whether it works or not because we're we're recording before it releasing. But by the time this comes out, it will have released. I don't know. I'm I'm getting more and more wary of games these days on day one because it's just getting. We obviously talked about it in the seventy dollar episode, but it's just getting really bad with games yeah. like never working on day one. But the other question is, where, on a scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you that it won't live up to your memory? Oh, I am a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being not at all, 10 being immensely afraid? Correct. 3. 3? Okay. Mass Effect is Mass Effect, baby. You can't take it from me. It's one of the few... In the last few years, a lot of franchises and entertainment that I loved have been have left left my zeitgeist. Game of Thrones, Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts didn't have to leave. Just saying. Yeah, no, it never should have been there that long. Sequel <laughs> uh, trilogy to Star Wars. I never liked Star Wars beforehand. Was really into it, and then I saw one of the worst films I've ever seen in theaters with Rise of Skywalker. There's a few others, but I can't exactly think of them right now. Just lately, so many franchises have shat the bed, and I've lost all of my fandom in them, but Mass Effect is one of the few that I've had for a very long time that still remains near and dear to my heart. There's How many Muppet nothing... movies have you seen, Peter? What? How many Muppet movies have you seen? Not a single one, and I don't want to. Well, that could be a fandom that could be awoken mm. in your heart. And mm. last week, you, you threw some shade at the Muppets. When you haven't even seen any of their movies, so I don't know, maybe... Okay, well, okay. like at St. Rose, you know how they would wheel in the TVs and they'd put shit on. Like the Muppets, I think it's the Christmas special. The Muppets Christmas special was put on a lot. And every mm-hmm. time I tried to watch that, I'd fall asleep because I found it to be very boring and non-engaging. And I wasn't into it at all. Would you say you're the same person you were when you were in elementary school? No, but like if, if Kid Peter was No, weirdly, Peter, uh, like... I think you do think you're the same person because you won't give the Muppet Christmas Carol a chance. Well, I, just, I don't need to. I haven't seen it, but I can tell you it's good. It is good. It's Muppets. Now how come you don't get to see something and say it's good and I don't get to see something and say it's bad? What the well, fuck was, was the, this? I was supposed to watch the Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh, okay. That's a little... But that it, makes fell too much sense. it fell through. I still want to, though. And I, I still, saw it. I, I saw it just as past my ass. To give it a chance. Kiss give my chance. ass, then. You Maybe don't get I, to say it's good. I come home for Christmas, Peter. We'll watch it. How's that sound? And then we can watch the Grumpy Cat movie that you keep pushing off. I don't even think I own that DVD anymore, Mark. I think we I do. It out here. It's not. I have it. It was my DVD. I bought it. Of course. Of course. Is Grumpy we'll Cat it. dead? Yeah, Grumpy Cat died. <laughs> well, now, now Grumpy Cat's Christmas special is all we can remember him by. But uh, not worried about Mass Effect at all, and at most I'll remember one being not as good as I thought it was. Even that I still think one's amazing. You cannot take two from me. Mass Effect 2 is perfection. You cannot take that from me in any way, shape, or form. And three is still it's like a solid eight, eight and a half for me. I'm personally... I, I want to get around to them. I I can't start any more RPGs until I beat Persona 5. 
which have you made progress on it? No, no, I'll get to that later. But um, okay, okay. I'm interested in what the analysis will be of the Mass Effect One remaster over the original because I'm a little worried it'll do a little bit of the Combat Evolved uh, remaster was really bad with like directly altering things of environmental storytelling pretty much. I'm interested to see if those problems crop up with this Mass Effect 1 remaster because a lot of the changes look a little dicey to me just from the surface level. There's a lot say- of gameplay mechanics that they're moving up like they're changing up that I think are very good quality of life additions. It's just graphically I do not think this game got this massive visual upgrade. I think it looks somehow worse than the original Mass Effect. But maybe playing it on my see TV. It. I need to see it in action first. I yeah. uh, we've hardly seen anything in action. But we got to move on here. Um you know what Mark, you go next. Um, I've got two things to talk about today. First one, a game I don't think either of you guys have heard of. Uh, Friday Night Funkin'. Does that ring any bells? No, it does not. No, not at all. It's a, it's a game uh, released uh, in November of last year on Newgrounds.com. It's a free, not Flash game, but you play it in your browser for free. And blew up incredibly. And they started a Kickstarter at the end of April to try to make this a fully released game. They were asking for $60,000. And as of, uh, I think, sometime last week, they've raised up to $1.76 million. Holy shit! Yeah, it's slowly growing a very big cult fan base. I it, I came to my attention because YouTuber Smooth McGroove has been covering several songs in the game. And soundtrack in this game, It's a, I should say, it's a rhythm game. It's kind of like uh, Dance Dance Revolution and Rap of the Rap. I kind of have a ch- child together. What is it's it called? A, Friday Night Funkin'. Okie dokie, I want to see what this you looks can, like. You can find it on Newgrounds, that's where it's from. It has even like mascot characters from Newgrounds in the game. It's like it's like a hip-hop electronic kind of sound to it. And the game is like uh, two characters kind of like having like a back and forth. Uh, and you're just kind of doing the, the DDR kind of arrow key rhythm mechanics. It looks like an to, old Cartoon Network art style to me. It's the aesthetic it's definitely trying to capture. And I think a lot of people like it for that. The The music is killer in this game. Uh, I've I've played all of it. I, I played through the whole game, I want to say, in like an hour, hour and a half. It's very short. Like, it's it's considered a demo of what it will be for the, the future full release. Uh, but I don't, I don't have much else to say uh, other than, like, the soundtrack is very, very good. Uh, my one playlist, I put a bunch of the songs uh, on Spotify in because they have to be there. They're all I'm thinking about right now. But... If I'm not thinking about music from this game, I'm thinking about music from another game that I have just finished, and that's Near Replicant. It's finally done. All endings? I've gotten through endings A, B, C, D, and E. That is all of them. Oh man. my god! How many hours is that? Um, I think it was like 40 or 50 hours oh. doing all that. That's not too bad. It wasn't too bad, but like hours isn't too bad. Well, I so mean, let me let me break down. Given like, the context of this, you have Persona Five Stockholm Syndrome, Owen. I'm going to bring you Persona back. Persona Five is 120 hours, though. That is very different. 50, 50, 50 hours, hours, 50 hours to make it to like what is practically. I don't know if it's the real ending or the secret ending or what people consider it. I I, I think doing all. All that is required of you within 50 hours is actually better than I would have expected. Like, 
Kingdom Hearts 2 is a 50 hour game and it's not anything with replaying. So like there are other RPGs that kind of just sit there where where near replicant is a lot of replaying, though, with some scenes like to get ending A, you, you play through the game beginning to end to get ending B. You start from a certain point in the game, which I want to say is 40 percent of the game, and you play through it again. And there's some additional scenes for ending C and D. You'd go back to that point again, that 40 percent point and even less scenes are different. And then you also have to obtain every weapon in the game to get ending C and D. And once you've gotten both ending C and D, uh, you get access to ending E, which is new content to this remake of Near Replicant. And getting all those weapons can be kind of annoying. I had a friend who was telling me, like, okay, if you don't open this box in this dungeon, you're going to miss out on this weapon. You won't be able to get it until your next playthrough, so make sure you get it then. There can be There's 33 weapons total you have to kind of find through either sitting in dungeons or from a side quest, uh, which can be kind of annoying, and I think replaying it a lot is kind of annoying, but uh, I feel like I've only ever kind of talked about kind of the annoyances and grievances with this game, but there's I, I ended up really liking this game, and just like Automata, uh, I, I didn't really appreciate it and like it as much until I was done and kind of really reflected on everything and all the little moments and how they all kind of come together to, to tell its story and like the overall theme of it all. It's a, it's a very sad game. Ultimately, the the soundtrack, if you listen to it, some very sad sounding songs, too, but also bops everywhere in this game. A lot of the songs actually, I don't, at least a good amount of them were reused in Automata because they were just very good. I, I only knew them from Automata, but I think some of them are even better here. Uh, a lot of gray mor- uh, morality in this story where it's constantly asking you or it makes you wonder. Is what what is the good side of things here what is the bad side of here sometimes i feel like it can be really it can come off as really cookie cutter just like okay of course that's good of course that's bad but then you kind of think of the minutiae the the real details here if anything that's really happening is really fair to anyone uh it gets it gets a little existential in that sense of just kind of feeling just but it makes you ask what's the point of any of these things that are happening uh, and I, I'm still kind of beating around the bush of specifics because of the spoilers, but uh, I, I think it's really cool with how, with the replays at least, despite you kind of going through things again, it gives you the opportunity to uh, really look at the perspective of everything that's happening over and over again. My Just... my uh, one question about the replays is, is it a matter of like when you're going through do you have to realize that something is different or do they make it abundantly clear of like, this is something you have not seen before? Cause I could see you going through the, the motions of doing this all the time and just kind of seeing like whatever cut scenes over and over again. Do you have to wait for it to jump out to you or like do events that haven't happened before lead up to it? There are just like additional scenes. Like maybe if you're if you're not paying too much attention, you might miss something. It could blend in, uh, but you, it's pretty noticeable. Like they all, a lot of the the scenes that are added, all kind of capitalize on one sort of theme. Like there, there is a message they are trying to get across. That kind of, especially after playing the first ending, and you're gonna have a lot of you might have a lot of questions, or you might not realize like, hey, something is actually fishy here. Because the the first ending kind of paints itself as a very maybe simple but very traditional JRPG story of good versus evil. The the villain in the game's name is named the Shadow Lord, and it's 
there's a lot of like uh, JRPG things. I want to say like adventure fantasy story things, or maybe you roll your eyes and just like, oh, of course they. I I know this trope. What's going to happen here? Then ending B, it's just like, huh, maybe I need to think about that a little bit more. And then D and D, a little bit more so, but not too much. Um, and then ending E, I don't want to say much about it all because that's where that's the most special one. I want to say, and things really get wrapped up really well there and opens the scope of the entire near universe here, which I think now that I've played two near games, I'm definitely more interested in the grander scope of the story that is told throughout the series, even though 7,000 years uh, connects the two games. So like they're very different worlds, but still a part of the same overarching story in a sense. It's, it's a very interesting game. I'm, I'm just so intrigued by near. It's just a matter of, of finding the time for these games. That's always the thing. They're always just so long. And mm-hmm. I, I know I was just defending the, the 50 hours or whatever, but that's still too long to like catch up on something. Mm-hmm. And and when a lot of it is kind of replaying, like there are definitely times playing the game, I was kind of bored playing it because I am just waiting for the new scene to show up. If there will be a new scene in this seg, like a section of the game. And sometimes there wasn't. Uh, mostly on that third playthrough, there's not a lot that is different in that third playthrough, unfortunately. And I say C and D. Uh, there's a trick because the ending C and D, like that third playthrough, ends with a decision, and depending on which of the two decisions you make, each one of them is ending C and D. So like it's not too bad if you make a save file before you make the decision, so to speak. You can get both of those endings real quick. It's not. There are ways to kind of play the system to reduce the amount of time that you might need. I, I turned everything like difficulty down to easy after my first playthrough, just so I could kind of breeze through things a lot quicker. But even then, I was still somewhere between 40 and 50 hours. So someone making the conscious decisions to make things shorter than they had to be still came to that time. Now, my final question, does Automata handle the ending stuff better than this game? Um... Not, I say not yes. based on story content, based on the gameplay they put you through. That Automata is definitely a step in the right direction because, like I said, you have to actually play the game over multiple times here. Uh, Automata uh, is very different about that. It's not so blatantly like you are literally doing the same things over again. Uh, there is actually new content forward when people say it's a new playthrough in Automata. And I think that's why I've, I've said in the past in the podcast, I think that doesn't do its service, but Automata is. But the reason why it turns out people uh, explain it that way is just because of the roots of its series, where it was actually just playing the game again. That kind of just is carried over here. Uh, Automata definitely handles it better. I, th- I think Automata respects the player's time a lot better than, say, Near Replicant does. But I, I still think, despite that, Replicant's worth the time. Peter, I want to know what your thoughts on Near Replicant. After everything I've had to say, I know I, we've tried poking you with Automata before. And maybe I would rather you still play Automata replicant, over Replicant if I had the option to pick one for you. But where does Near sit in your head? I'm... Look, you uh, said here, 50 hours. I can, I, can, I can take it for you, Peter. I understand... At St. Rose, they used to roll on the TVs, and they played near Gestalt on the TVs mm-hmm. all the time, and <laughs> it just made you want to go to sleep. 
a game if a game is longer than 25 hours it better be a fucking 10 out of 10 or else i'm moving on that's just i'm a curmudgeon shitty 24 year old man and i wish i still liked long games like really long games i just don't anymore i do not want to have to put 50 hours in to get the full experience out of something and have to play a game through multiple times i just want one linear at most 15 to 20 hour game just tell me your story, tell me where to go, and then I'm fucking done. That's the, just that's just what I want out of single-player stories right now. That's really all I fucking want. I think, now, I think diversifying your palette might pay off one day. One day, maybe, we can see that. Here's the strange thing, though. That's what Sony does. Mm. And but you, you don't like that. All they do. That is all they do, but you oh, just you just told us makes it better. You out just of told that us specific genre, out of that specific genre, because again, I don't only want to play that type of game, but I like I like variety. As I keep saying, like look at the two main games I keep playing every week: fucking Warzone and Halo Wars Two. I'm about to play RPGs later this week for the next few weeks. I'm not saying I only like that specific genre, only one specific genre, but if you're going to be that type of game. You better really diversify yourself and be a 10 out of 10. And PlayStation, that's just... One, I don't think it is. I think their best game is God of War 2018. I really do. And everything else they make is just... It's good, or it just doesn't interest me. I don't know. The 10 out of 10 standard is high, but I'm sure we'll we'll continue to debate this for many years to come. But for now, well, hey, don't be twenty five. Don't be over twenty five hours, and you don't have to be a ten out of ten. I mean, a lot, of, a lot game. of gamers out there like to scream that if that game isn't long enough, it is not worth a sixty dollars price tag. Peter, it's, they get it's fucking Game Pass, kids. It's the future. Start demanding that your developers and the people you are fans of put their games on Game Pass. Game Pass is the future. Fuck a $70 price tag. That's way too goddamn high. That is a ridiculous price, as we've discussed in previous episodes. Fuck that. Just, let's all start hoping more people get Game Pass and encourage developers to get on Game Pass, because Jesus Christ, it's an amazing deal. Sorry, PlayStation and PC game. Or PC, this Game Pass there. Sorry if you play games on Sony and Nintendo. Yeah! Nintendo's not gonna change until the older guard finally retires in the young blood finally gets to be- finally gets behind the wheel. Sony, I mean, in case you haven't noticed over the last this episode 25 months, they're the prime targets a lot of, of a lot of what I dislike about the industry right now. So yeah, if you're only playing on Sony consoles, I'm sorry. Well, it's time to talk about what I've played this week, which is nothing crazy. Uh, most of my time was spent catching up in Prey, so we'll obviously get to that. I did start Titanfall 2 as well. Don't want to give away too much. I've only played about an hour. It feels good to play, and that's my main takeaway right now. I was a player of Titanfall 1, and obviously they only had multiplayer in that, but I was impressed with it, and I kind of kept that Titanfall feeling going, Because I'm not an Apex Legends player, but I did stop in to try out their new arena mode, the 3v3, and I gotta say, it's pretty fun. My main issue with Apex is that the skill gap is pretty significant. 
and I'm just not quite good enough to keep up. But in the arena mode, because it's going quicker, and you're obviously getting into more battles, I felt after about three or four games, I I had my footing. I could actually get kills in this game and contribute to my team. So I think I might continue to go back to Apex on occasion and play this mode. Mainly, uh, or I should say especially, if I end up liking Titanfall 2 a lot, because I didn't, I knew that these worlds were similar. I didn't realize that they were so similar that, like, all of the Titanfall 2 weapons are Apex weapons. I find that pretty cool and unexpected wow. for me. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people already knew this, but I didn't. I didn't know that, and I've, I've played Apex before, and I did not realize that the weapon types were actually pulled out of Titanfall. Yeah. And I'm jealous of the people that are super into Apex lore. I'm also kind of jealous of the people that were, like, super into Overwatch lore. That's never really been me. Like, I don't gravitate towards those those fancy cinematics and trying to learn the story behind them. But at the same time, I do feel like I'm missing out on something there. I don't know if you guys have ever felt that type of feeling as well, or if you follow them yourself. Uh, definitely, I've, I've felt some FOMO when it comes to certain fandoms. Uh, I remember having... Being someone who only played Automata and knowing that the bigger near fandom is out there is like, oh, people have liked so much more about this. If only I knew more about it. And now I kind of can see what it, I feel like I have an idea of what maybe people see in it. And maybe maybe I take a step further, but I don't want to commit to anything there. Uh, but you, you I, I feel like I'm familiar enough with FOMO at this time where I'm just like, OK, everyone has their own cup of teas and maybe I don't see what they're into in this one. But that person might not see what I'm into Kingdom Hearts about or Smash Brothers. So it's it all. It all makes it all like equals out to some way. Peter, uh, I don't know. I I don't know. Like on the one hand, I've been in one of those communities and been as into them as anybody else, and then I realized I was in a cult of Kingdom Hearts, and I got out, and I realized that being as into something like that is what you know just it's it sucked the life out of me. And I look at other fan bases. I don't know why. I'm. I, I'm like. I, I'm not in a bad mood today. I don't, I don't feel like I am, but I feel like I'm going to come off as very like hitty and crabby this episode. But some fan bases I come across, and I hear the way they. And I don't want to get specific. And please don't make me. There's a couple fan bases in particular I can think of a gaming franchises who, when I hear their discourse and their in-jokes and just the way they present themselves, I think to myself, man, I'm really glad I'm not into that franchise because those people just push me further away from it than the games ever could. Oh, I no, can't no. think you of... Gotta tell us one. You gotta no, tell us one. No, no. Do you have to. Would Who one, do you hate? Would one be the Souls series? Yeah, yes. Okay, yeah, I'll say it. There were two in particular I was thinking of. I'm willing to say that one. The Souls fan base is the first one that comes to mind. The Souls fan, fan base is very vocal. I don't I don't feel like I follow annoying Souls fans. Therefore, I don't see the annoying Souls fan that often, but I know that they're out there. I see them a lot because I still frequent a subreddit of a former YouTube group that used to exist that don't anymore. But their fan base had a lot of similar interests to mine. They were the uh, two best friends play. And... 
their subreddit is still very active with a lot of former fans who talk about a wide array of topics. And a lot of them are into Souls games. And just the way they talk about them, it's just, I don't know, there's just so much about the Souls game fan base that just put, just, it really just scares me away from that franchise. It really makes me not want to get into it at all. And as of this moment, I'm sure if I had more time to think on it, I could think of an answer. I cannot think of any game, any game franchise, any fan base for a game or franchise that I desperately wish I was a part of that I'm not already a part of. I guess I'm not necessarily coming from the standpoint of I wish I could participate in the Reddit conversations, but I I more wish that I understood why people like something so much. I guess, I guess my viewpoint's more disconnected. Like the specifically the cinematics of say Overwatch or Apex. It does seem like there there are interesting stories behind them, but it just seems like a lot of work to find those interesting stories. Peter, I thought you were into the Overwatch ones a little bit. I really like the cinematics, and I always watch the cinematics. But now there's comics, and I it's just it's one of those things now where it's a time commitment and having to absorb different forms of entertainment to get the same story that originated from a video game. And I just I'm not into that. I will continue to watch the cinematics because Blizzard makes fantastic cinematics, but I don't see myself doing any deep dives into the narrative. But did of, you like? Do you mainly like them just because they look pretty, or did you actually like what was going on kind of behind the scenes of what's actually happening? Well, the thing is, Owen, that I used to attempt deep dives of Overwatch, and the story is almost non-existent because there really isn't that much story. It's a lot of surface-level storytelling that hints at there being deeper layers, but they've yet to do really anything meaningful with the narr- with the story and world of Overwatch. And hopefully Overwatch 2 fixes that, but in terms of what are the shorts doing, they're not doing anything, honestly. They kind of feel like... Overwatch shorts feel like... It's like Pixar-quality animation with no depth. Really, just what you see is what you get. And I like what I see. But I don't feel the need to invest days at a time getting to know every little fun fact about every character. I'm just not that into it. Okay. I I think I get it. And I think that's an issue in a lot of game stuff where... Game stories, I should say. Especially for things like Apex and Overwatch. I do think that they rely on the intrigue, probably more than the substance. I get the feeling that people do like this stuff a lot because there's hints that something could be more, but they never actually have any plans of like clarifying that. And that could be frustrating. I think that really just can play off of people's imaginations and how far they take it themselves, which I don't think is like an in form invalid, but it's it's not something I can get onto because I feel like being someone who especially someone who studied creative writing in college. Uh, I feel like if I ever look into something like that and I see like, oh, it's kind of just open-ended or it's not clearly saying anything, it just, to me, I only read that as, 
okay, they're leaving space open so they can gauge what everyone else wants and what everyone likes from this and then play with that direction. Like, I, I feel very meta when it comes to a lot of narratives now. And I think it's for the worst, honestly. Yeah, I feel like I'm I can't participate in the fandom in that sense. I'm not the biggest fan of that either. Maybe there's a topic somewhere in there one day we can cover. Maybe. But we should move on to the main topic of the show, which is concluding the first ever BNY Game Club. Talking about Prey. I just want to start with asking you guys what your what your overall review is. Give me give me however much you want. Don't necessarily spoil the ending of the story for it, but just give me your thoughts and we'll end up covering a lot of things more specifically. But Peter, let's just start with you on what your overall thoughts on Prey are. I was surprised at how much I liked Prey, but I could really feel the game dragging on for me around the end. The things I think Prey does best are its atmosphere, the world that they've created, And a lot of the monster designs, I think, are really effective at being incredibly creepy and disorientating and unnerving. You mean the three monsters? We'll get there, all right? We'll get there. Okay, okay. I think the game manages to grip you and how well it manages to make you feel fear. It really immerses you in Talos 1. I really felt like every time I was... Being chased or attacked by a monster, I feel like I was in trouble. And I think the game did an excellent job of bringing me into the story it was trying to tell. I think the animations of the monsters are also incredibly well done, as their movements just unnerve you as you watch them nor just walk around the station as they would if no one else was around. I, I'm, just, I'm a big fan of the enemy design. What's unfortunate is I also have several issues with the game. I understand it's more of a survival horror-esque game, so it's not like the it's not the number one focus of the title. The gunplay in Prey is awful. Moving in Prey feels awful. I feel like I always have rocks tied to my feet. The entire time I'm moving around Talos 1. Guns do not feel satisfying to shoot. I hate that you're not able to lock... Like, what's the word I'm looking Not lock on. Zoom in with any of the guns. You're just stuck at hip firing all of them. And I find it to be incredibly unsatisfying. The narrative... It is good enough to have my curiosity peaked, but does eventually lose me later on as the game goes on. I think the voice acting is fine. Nothing to write home about, but it's all serviceable. And if there's ever a sequel, I could be interested. I'm not dying for a sequel to Prey. I'm not dying for Prey 2, but 
I liked Prey enough. I liked Prey enough. I have more to say, but I'll let others talk. Mark, I'll let you go before me. Um, I have two different feelings for Prey. Where early game Prey, I really did not like. I, I wasn't really drawn into the world. It was a very empty kind of space. And sure, that's the point. Uh, premise of the game being, uh, you find out you're a part of this uh, psionic testing and trying to break out of that and figure out what's going on in this big spaceship. It's supposed to be empty at first, uh, but it didn't feel as alive to me. And maybe I, I think I'm maybe overlooking some details there, but it was also very difficult at first as well. So I was very resilient to like it because of how much progress I felt like I was impeded. Like I was definitely at like still at what was probably the 20, 30 minute mark three hours into the game because I was dying so much. To the point where I turned the game down to the story difficulty very quickly. And the second I did that, I only started liking the game more and more and more once things were in such a slog because of combat. Uh, even to the end, I really liked the very, the end of the game. And I went into this game knowing something really spoiler heavy where I thought was like the big twist, but was only a part of the twist. So I was still surprised at the end. Uh, I think my, my overall general spoiler free thought is... I think the story and world is very interesting and there's a lot of depth to it. But uh, I think the gameplay can kind of get in the way sometimes to help keep you away from the story that's really good. I, I, I think I agree with you guys a lot. Overall, Prey is... It's crown jewel is a world. It has a pretty good world. Uh, more than pretty good an impressive world that you actually want to look around and see what stories you can find. Like I really like in the Talos one lobby, there's a little museum portion and you can read basically how Talos one came to be. And it's this alternate history where John F. Kennedy didn't get assassinated and the United States and Russia seem to be kind of friendly. So they worked on space stuff together and that's how this progress happened by, I want to say it takes place in like 2032. It's in the 2030s. I know that. Yes. 2033. That's the year it takes place. 2033. Yeah. I, I like all of those things. And also it sets up this story where uh, I majored in English in college and I'm looking at it as like they're there's a lot of really cool elements about futurism here and fear of the future, but also kind of a fear of corporation thing. And when those two things combine, it's, it's all interesting in those elements. I like the story for the most part. Overall, I have more nitpicks that we can get into as, as we get into it further on in this discussion, I kind of agree that it did lose me towards the end a bit, but I also agree with what Peter was saying when it comes to overall gameplay. It really does not feel good to play. It's not even that it's not fun. It's that nothing you do feels like it has any power behind it. Guns don't feel powerful at all. You hit an enemy and they just kind of, they keep doing their thing. So then it doesn't feel like you're doing anything to them. And then even when you kill an enemy, they just disintegrate. There's no there's no feedback whatsoever. And that really bothered me. And I actually want to disagree with you, Peter. I didn't really like the enemy design that much either because 
I struggle with sci-fi properties, I think. Because I'm just always more more inclined to like human things or things that seem human at least. And these enemies are just kind of amorphous blobs that walk around and do stuff. And I guess they were scary at points. The especially the phantom type creatures were were all relatively threatening. But they just didn't they didn't move the needle for me as being interesting. I uh, we should all address Mark addressed it, but we all ended up going down to story difficulty because this game is just way too difficult. That I agree with. And the game is way too goddamn hard. I started. I, th- I, th- I thought like early on it was at least hard. If I had the tools that I had at the end of the game earlier on, I feel like maybe I would have stood a chance. And maybe if I invested more in certain neuromod upgrades in the game, like to focus on combat instead of accessing things earlier, because it's definitely the route I went. Okay, uh, I really, I'm glad none of us ever actually, actually, oh, and I want you to get all your thoughts in before I go in on the whole spiel I'm about to do. Um, going off of that, I, I think there's a few elements to the, to the difficulty. They throw a lot of skill trees at you with absolutely no guidance whatsoever. Actually getting those resources that you can have by the end Getting to that point is like a slog. And on top of that, the difficulty isn't it isn't difficulty that you feel like you're growing upon. It's more just I have no equipment and I'm getting my shit kicked in. There's nothing I can do here. And it's just it's more frustrating than anything. So I also I guess I had a better experience when I turned it down. Maybe I would have been better off if I stuck more in the easy mode rather than story. But I was also crunching for time, getting this done on time. So I I was somewhat trying to rush through it. I did feel like I lost an element of the gameplay when I put it down to story. It became a little easier to run through something that I didn't want to deal with. And I guess that's where... That's where I'll leave off my points. There were a lot of things in this game that I didn't want to deal with. But overall, I think it was solid. Now, when Peter, I, let's get into your rant. Real quick, when I turned the difficulty down to story mode, I did I did enjoy the game less. I noticed we did enjoy the game less, but I also realized that if I don't... it's I, I turned down the difficulty when nightmares started to show up. Like in more places than you would like. When I get to the Talos One lobby and there's a nightmare hiding around the corner waiting for me, and all sorts of different typhon have infected every single area of Talos One, I realize that if I don't turn down the difficulty now, I'm not. I'm just not going to be able to finish in time for the uh, review of the, on the podcast. I. The first 16 hours I played of the game, I played on medium or normal, whatever you want to call it. And that layer of difficulty really did. It it increased my enjoyment of the game for a long time. As the game went on, it never felt like I was overcoming obstacles that were once very difficult, but now they're nothing to me. The game 
felt the same level of difficult no matter how many neuromods I got, no matter how many times I upgraded my weapons. It never felt like I was overcoming my greater demons. It always felt like no matter how improved I was, the enemy is never shrunk in difficulty. Arguably, it gets harder by the end because they, they start putting more powerful enemies everywhere. It, it scales up with you. And like they start putting more difficult enemies, but like, but but I didn't, I didn't over, I barely overcame the previous enemies. I'm not ready for the next challenge. As the current challenge still is a challenge to me. I still struggle with what you're already throwing at me. Now you're throw, now you're adding a whole extra layer of difficulty that I, I just, I physically can't fucking handle it. But what I wanted to go off of was neuromods. I'm curious what you guys invested in, what paths you went on, because early on I was I instantly invested into hacking. The what's the one leverage? Leverage, yeah, very important. Fixing shit, engineering. Those were the ones I invested a shit ton of neuromods into. I wanted to make sure I could get into any any spot on Talos 1 that I needed to, whether to hack into it or move heavy boxes. That was my number one focus, and I really didn't start investing in the combat until the very end of the game. Well, that can be a big problem why things were a little bit harder as well. If, if, you're, if everything's getting stronger when you're staying the same... That only makes sense. Prey is an immersive sim as well, so they want you to feel as uh, as feeble as a human actually would be in this situation. They do a great job of that. They do, they do, and that's uh, the thing with these kind of games is they want to give you the tools to have a solution to so many encounters, uh, various solutions. And a lot of the, the story objectives, when there's a bunch of enemies around, you don't really have to fight anything to progress. So getting around everything is a valid option in a sense without having to fight anything. But I, I just felt like some of the enemies were just kind of annoying to deal with. I never liked dealing with the phantoms early on because they had so much fucking health and they did so much goddamn damage. Where for my neuromods early on, I invested heavily in just the wrench. Because I would just glue gun everything and just run to it and beat the shit out of it and hope it died before it would be unglued. And if it wasn't, if it, if I didn't kill it before it was unglued, I was probably losing half of my health. Not Wait. the smartest strategy, but early on you only have a wrench of maybe oh, a pistol and a glue gun to work with. Mm -hmm. I did that a lot. Did I, I may have missed an element. Was there a way to upgrade the wrench? Because I couldn't find a way. Not the wrench itself, like, there's the weapon upgrade tools, but, like, through neuromods, there is yeah. a branch for the wrench. Oh, I didn't doing more see damage. that branch. Oh, my yeah, God, that would have helped me so much. It does more damage. You have a better chance of knocking enemies down, which that's the big one. Well, just every charge attack on the wrench will basically knock a phantom to the ground, and then you just glue gun, glue gun them on the ground, maybe even the stun gun. That, uh, there, there's options. That's, that really that's one thing I really like about useful. Frank. I, I got lost in, like, there are a total of, I, I think, six skill trees, and I could, I struggled so much to find the Neuromod that I actually wanted, because I would just go through every single menu, and then even then I would still, I would have to, like, go back through a second time to find what I needed. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the menus were not ideal for me obviously it's more of a nitpick but i definitely struggled to find the upgrades that i wanted mm -hmm. early on i set out 
I basically specified these are the neuromod paths I am definitely going down first chance I have. Then as time went on, I got more flexible, but I wanted to make sure as a way to focus and keep myself on a path and not just lose myself in upgrades. There were specific ones I had to check off before I got further into the game because I loved exploring Talos 1 and I wanted to make sure I had all the tools at my disposal. How many Typhon upgrades did you guys invest in? I only got three. I I only wanted to invest enough to get the mind control one so I could disable the human mind control without their heads fucking exploding. So I I tried to save as many people as I could. Oh, and you go. I did, um, I only did three, and I didn't upgrade them a ton. I did fire, I did Psyshock, and I did the, the mimic one. Were you guys getting attacked by turrets? Oh my god, I got a story to fucking tell about that. Like, do you remember when you're in the cargo bay and there's the mission objective where they want you to set up a bunch of fucking turrets? Yes, I do! Around this part in the game is when the turrets started attacking me, and I went the extra miles like, okay, they only need three turrets? There's a trophy for having everyone survive. Let's do six turrets. So I put the six turrets up, they start shooting me, I'm like, okay, okay, this is a little dangerous. I... I finally successfully put all of them up, thinking, okay, I don't have to deal with this anymore. I continue with the quest, and like, okay, now go hold the button at the door to open it. So I had to go stand in front of six turrets and hold the door open. <laughs> Even on story difficulty, having six fucking turrets pelt you is very dangerous. I never made enemies of the turrets because I found out you could get two Typhon upgrades without them turning on you. So what I did, I upgrade... The shockwave is the phantom's electricity ball they shoot, right? Mm-hmm. I upgraded that twice, and that's all I did. Because turrets were essential to how I got around Talos 1, and I was not Fair. about to lose them. So I just upgraded that twice, and I never touched Typhon upgrades ever again. And it made getting around Talos 1 infinitely easier for me. I wish there was an option where you could, like, respec your upgrades like like oh i didn't like that but lore wise like when neuro mods are uninstalled you lose your memory which is a big part of just the premise of the game is main character main character morgan has uninstalled all of his neuro mods and now remembers absolutely fucking nothing and it's just kind of uh going along based off of what everyone else is saying they remember of them uh, which I think is honestly one of the better parts of the game. I, I I didn't know who to trust a lot of the time, especially as we approached the end, especially with the one spoiler detail that I knew. I felt like I knew who to trust, but as the game kept going closer to an end, like as I had this, I already decided how I wanted to end the game. And then halfway through doing it, I'm like, wait, uh, if I think about what I know, this could be the bad ending. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm taking steps back, picking the other ending, actually. Uh, um, just. Step back, I, I wanted to ask, did, at the end of the game, it tells you how many neuromods you actually used for your upgrades. Uh, I have the exact ever... number in my head, actually. I do not, I also have the number. Peter, what's your number? I had 28 human, 2 typhon. You only hit, oh my gosh. What? Oh, just how many of the, I'm asking how many neuromod points you spent, not just the upgrade types. Oh shit, that I don't. Okay, that okay. I don't have. I have the number. I spent 133 neuromods because once I 
uh, figured out you could fabricate neuromods, oh. I went hard and just I fabricated like probably a hundred of them, if not wow. probably a little bit less. That's but more I than be... I did. But early I on, when I realized I could fabricate neuromods, I would just go back, take recycle like recycle charges, go into empty office rooms I've already cleared out, and just fucking make bank. Mm -hmm. I would I'd farmed it up. And one of the things I spent a lot of neuromods early on was the inventory space, just so I could carry more things to recycle to make more things, because I felt like that was very important. I, I was pretty annoyed because the inventory space is so small at the beginning. It's like, oh, I'm trying to explore and collect things, but I'm stopped because I'm already full on everything and I got to go I find a recycler somewhere. But I inventory started space like a third way, crucial. a third way into the game. I started investing in inventory and I'm really glad I didn't put that off because if I did, the rest of the game would have been a bitch. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I did put that off and I didn't get that upgrade until very, very close to the end, I would say, because I, uh, I mean, a, a lot of this is just a the fact of basically the last three weeks of my life, I've just been working a ton, but I still wanted to be able to get this game done. So I, I was cutting corners objectively. Mm -hmm. I wish I could have gotten more of an experience of like full immersion into all of it. But I also felt like maybe I just don't like this gameplay enough to really even put myself through that. I want to know what did you guys think of stealth? Cause it drove me nuts how one, just how slow it was, but also how relatively ineffective I found it quite often. And I was shocked because obviously arcane makes dishonored, which is a tremendous stealth game. Mm -hmm. Mark, like what did you dishonored? think? With Dishonored, I I feel pretty torn with itself because the game offers so many cool abilities that are just not pro stealth. A lot of really interesting Bioshock esque abilities. It's like, oh, these all involve like an explosion or murdering everyone in a like AOE radius. And it's like, oh, well, I can't sneak around like that. But with there's with also Prey, a lot of maneuverability ones though, which I mm -hmm. I think the maneuverability ones make the stealth work. Because my main critique with Prey is just how Basically, I guess how human it was. I wish that I had a little bit more of an advantage and speed when mm -hmm. when trying to do stealth, but I understand why you don't, I guess. There is the Neuromod path for speed increases, and once I maxed that out, I didn't fight anything ever again. I just kept running through the game because nothing could keep up with me at that point. And the jump speed also like doubles, like I'm reaching places I couldn't before also. That plus the, uh, the goo gun. Which it's glue or goo? I think it's glue. 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 It is glue. Okay, GL. glue gun. At first, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of the glue gun, and then it grew on me just because of how versatile it was. I think it's the most. I think it's easily the most interesting weapon in the game. It's clearly it's one of the highlights different. of the game for me. I think so. Yeah, I agree. It felt like Portal. It felt like Portal with some of the things I thought of doing, and then when I would find other like hidden ways to get through Talos One with the glue cannon. I like with Alex's office. I got into Alex's office eight hours before the game was supposed to have me go up there because I built a path with the glue cannon and I just raided his office and got as much of the shit as I could. So then when the game actually had me re-enter there, it just loaded back in all of the supplies that were supposed to be there the first time. So I basically got to help myself twice. Nice. I didn't realize that they would 
actually like let that happen. Yeah, I thought I was fucking. I was, I was pretty amped. It was fucking awesome. I love that I could do that. In general, that is a strength of the game, and it was. It's also a strength of the Dishonored series. So it's obviously something Arcane cares about, giving you these different alternatives to get mm-hmm. things done and finding that quote unquote secret path. Like there were multiple moments where I would assess a situation and see, like I know I can get to that point, but I have to like figure out how to get to that point. And that those can be some of my favorite gameplay moments. In fact, they probably were my favorite gameplay moments in Prey when I could figure out how to get to a hard-to-get point. My favorite moment in all of Prey was within the first 10 minutes of the game where I was rewarded for jumping into the helicopter blade immediately when I was given the opportunity and a trophy popped for killing myself on the very first day of the game. I felt <laughs> so good about that. It's like I knew it. I thought something would happen cool. if I jumped into that helicopter. There's another trophy. Oh, what's that, Peter? No, no, you go, you go, you go. A couple of the trophies are really cool. I I failed to get one that I really wanted to try, where the reason I bought the Mimic perk is because one of the trophies is to try and recycle yourself. So I tried turning into a mug and putting myself on a recycler, but I couldn't figure out how to do it. And there's another trophy that's called Press Sneak, which is like to raid every file in the game, which is a reference to uh, Fallout 4 was reported early on Kotaku. And uh, a mem- uh, an email that went through Bethesda talking, ab- the, the, talking about the leak and someone was very angry about it and refers to Jason Trier as a press sneak fuck, uh, which kind of got around and the trophy huh. is named after that. He press does. sneak for finding all the files. I actually think I, I, got I a remember quick that. About that. I don't uh, remember I never that at all. The press sneak fuck. That's a really funny, funny thing that happened that way. Well, it's it's nice to th- see Bethesda having a sense of humor about it. Yeah. yeah. And also, real quick, my thoughts on stealth is I never stealthed. I upgraded the shotgun as much as I could, and at first I was very hesitant to ever get through rooms, and then I just bit the bullet said, fuck it, if I'm just going to tiptoe the rest of the game, it's going to take me forever. So then I would just walk into a room, take a shot off into the air, everyone would see me, and then I would just get to fighting because it was just... It's going to save me a hell of a lot of time if I just fight them head on. I think I I only have one more question relating to gameplay specifically, and then we can get more into the story. I I think I was probably the worst off with this because of how quickly I was going through things. By the end, did you guys at least have a lot more equipment? Like, I never had ammo. I, I used the wrench loaded. so much I didn't. I had yeah, so much ammo. I crafted, I just would create so much ammo. Like, I only ever really used the shotgun. Yep. I only every ever made shotgun pills. Yep. Yeah, I keep talking over you, but every fucking time, I would make a point of, oh, there's a new recycler. Can I make shotgun shells? Specifically shotgun shells. Yes, I just made 36 more shotgun shells. I'm good for the next hour. I'm jealous. I struggled with that for sure. Uh, especially Which since guns did you use the most? I I mainly I used the wrench a lot. I used the shotgun the most, and then I did still use my nine millimeter for a while. I I liked the range of it, especially when you're facing. Mm-hmm. Oh, what are they? Cystoids. The range yeah. came oh, came things, in handy yeah. with cystoids. Or, also, oh. did you guys 
Did you guys ever use the stun gun against humans? I did. Yeah. I, I never did. Not? I oh my humans, god, are you kidding? I would just glue them or I would use the mind control ability and free them. With the stun gun, you just walk up to them and go, Bzzzt, and then they fall unconscious and they're good. Yeah, no, I, oh, I definitely I did not do it. Yeah. I, I only had two humans die on all of Talos 1. One, I, or three. One is a story relevant one that I accidentally ejected <laughs> into the fu into fucking endless space on accident. And he cursed me out as I was doing it. And I didn't realize I was killing him. And then just two other guys snuck up on me and blew like, and exploded. I had many more humans die, but I, I do want to push that discussion down the hill just a little bit further. Um, And I did have another gameplay take that I just completely lost, I think. Anyone else have anything they want to do on gameplay while I try and rack my brain? Um, One thing I could bring up was the map and possibly getting lost in the game. Is that ever something you guys struggled with? Did I struggle? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I now, like early on when I was only in the lobby, I got lost a lot there. Uh, but once I kind of got very familiar with that lobby, nothing else was really a problem after that. But that was like the first six hours of the game when I was only in the lobby. My number one goal in the lobby early on was I wanted to learn that area because they they do make it pretty clear to you that like the lobby will be kind of a hub world for you. So I wanted to mm -hmm. understand the hub world. I, I made a concerted effort to make sure I knew it pretty early on. Um, Computer? What? Do you have Did a take you on get that? Lost? No, no, not really. It took me, I would say I spent an hour, hour and a half memorizing the lobby. I made sure to get the name of every room down in my head just so I had a clear idea of, okay, the game's telling me to go there. Well, this is the first room I'm going to use. As Talos 1 expanded, I did start getting a bit more confused, but it was never at a point where I felt buried by the sheer size of Talos 1. I felt like I usually had my head wrapped around things properly. I, I was a little more shaky on it when, when I got the main lift working and I didn't know which section I was supposed to go to. I mean, typically I could figure it out just by reading the quest, but... Every once in a while, I would be a little confused, like, okay, is is the cargo bay closer to the Arboretum or to life support? Like, I did not necessarily have that down at all times. Funny enough, it is equally far away from both of those things from the elevator, so is I can it... see why you ask that. Wait, is it really? Because there's the elevator in the lobby, and the elevator either goes up to Arboretum or life support, so... Technically, if you're coming from Hardware Labs, you're going to that elevator in the lobby no matter what, so it's pretty much the same distance. Interesting. The, I did I did remember the last question I had. How did you guys feel about the, I guess, the movement, but also just exploration that you could do outside of Talos 1? Did anyone come across anything especially interesting? I died a lot. I kept crashing into shit. <laughs> yeah, I kept crashing into shit. I never died from it, but I heard a lot. I found a space shuttle out near the top of Talos 1 that had long been abandoned. I found the bodies of a lot of cadets and people. Or not, not cadets. They weren't cadets. They were 
I'm pretty sure they were individuals who were being sent to Talos 1 to be experimented on. Oh, the which, volunteers. The volunteers, yeah. I found the volunteers out and about. I didn't even have a side mission up there. I know there is one, but I just happened to find... I saw that ship in the distance, and I wondered, can I go to that? And then I got really close, and I was like, oh shit, I can go to that. And I don't I think I ever did that, that. shit. I can't think of... Well then, well, then I shot... Spoilers, I shot Dr. Igway out in the fucking space on complete accident, and every time I had to fly around, I just saw his body, and I felt bad after the... <laughs> uh, okay. Uh... Let let that be the first kind of like story portion because I I do want to understand how that happened with you more when you go to this area, uh, and you go through you get to the area through the exterior so you're going through space and then you get a calm thing from Doctor Equay who's stuck in like a container and basically he needs to be docked at uh at like the area in order to survive. How did you accidentally shoot him into space? Okay, so I keep looking around for this fucking screen that has the control, like the docking controls and everything. And I don't know if it was late at night. My brain wasn't working. I couldn't fucking find it. I could not find the setup I had to use to get into this portion of Talos 1. And I kept thinking, okay, maybe I like, put a code into his container and it just brings him up because I don't know how else I would do it. So then I used the code on the side of the ship that opened him up. And for some reason, my brain goes, Oh, once I put the code, I'm going to be able to control this thing. And it's just going to take him right to the dock. And then he starts screaming at me. No, you bastard. What are you doing? Why are you trying to? And then he just, all the eyes deletes him. I just see his body go flight to the left of me. And I'm like, Oh, Fuck! <laughs> the game instantly saved as soon as I did it, so I couldn't go because I tried save scumming and going back to save him. But my last save before that was two hours prior, and I wasn't about to lose all that progress. And then the game just pointed out with a massive red X. Here's the fucking screen you're supposed to use, idiot. And then I found where I had to go. I was like, oh, that's how I'm supposed to bring the thing up to tell us. So yeah, I accidentally ejected Dr. Igway out in the space and cut off a lot of side quests for myself on accident. For the record, I I also struggled to find the screen, but they give you a countdown to saving Dr. Igway, and that was stressing me out. So I looked up a walkthrough and then it was like, oh, I, the screen's right I, over there. And it's like, oh, okay. I looked up a walkthrough and I, I, just, I don't know why I couldn't understand. I was like, go to the screen, go to the screen. Like, but I can't find a fucking screen. And I also saw the countdown and I'm like, I don't want Igwe to die. And then in my, in my measure to save him, I ended up being the, the vehicle to his death. I, I, want- I also accidentally killed him. Yes, but, uh, but, but I, I reloaded a save and saved him because I was I pressed the I pressed the wrong button. I just what I thought was the button to dock it was just to open the fucking door. I, I did not read clearly I enough. I almost hit that button. They make it a little too easy to hit that button. 
Like, I don't know why the fuck my game auto-saved. I instantly tried to go back and save him, but I couldn't. And I'm really... I don't know why. I just felt like that part of the game was incredibly unclear. And that's another critique I have. I feel like a lot of descriptions for the quests and side quests are incredibly vague and not nearly specific enough to really help you find out exactly what the fuck you're supposed to do. Maybe that was just a me problem, but I always felt like a lot of side quests... I did a lot of side quests, more side quests than I usually do in a game. But there are many side quests I ignored because I just felt like it was never specific enough. And the waypoints never really helped because the waypoints never told me what mission I was following. They would just tell me specific locations. And Which I would just always pick all of them. A like lot of them. Is there one in particular you spent a lot of time on? Just like, I can't figure this out. I quit. I tried finding the fucking killer. I you didn't forever. find him? No, oh, I couldn't. I could not fucking find him. Oh I my god! And I could not find him. I had oh, no did idea. You find him? Yeah, I did. Um, I'm trying to remember how I found him. I'm the way you find him, or I found him is, I if you go back to Morgan's office, Danielle show, she'll send you an email to be like, he's a volunteer. Go check Psychotronics. Yes. They keep the volunteers there, and then you can go look in the security system of Psychotronics, and you see. One of them is still alive. One of the volunteers, you track him, and you uh, it, it shows you where he is. Then you go there, and he's in an escape pod just sitting there, and he tries to kill himself. Like, he has a bomb planted in there, and he tries to take you with him. But then I dismantled the bomb right in front of his face, and he still died anyways, and I was kind of disappointed about that. He just falls over. I did it. there's no explosion. <laughs> I did it two different ways. Uh, I, I actually did that quite a few times, where I would, I would save it, do something one way just so that I could see what would happen and then do it another way. Um, the first time I came across him sitting in the escape pod, I just had my shotgun out and I just took a shot immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, that was more satisfying than what I did the second time, which was I wanted to see if he would like talk to me if I walked in and he really does just say like, now, now we're both going to die or something. And then a recycler charge goes off. And because I was on story mode, it did like 10 damage to me. <laughs> so it wasn't that threatening. I ended up just keeping it that way because it obviously didn't change the story in any way. But that mm -hmm. that side quest in general, the guy takes over the cafeteria and is posing as the normal chef there. But he's actually this like random who is also a murderer. I thought that side quest was fascinating. I loved it. Oh, yeah. I loved a lot of the side quests in this game. The side quests that kind of revolved around, like, the main NPCs that kind of ultimately at the end are all kind of referenced in a way, which we'll, we'll talk about, I'm sure. Boy, did I fucking feel bad when, when, we, when we get to that, when the first one to speak, I read the name and I think, oh, Ooh. shit, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I got the bad ending, didn't I? But one aspect of this game I really want to talk about is how the side quests and a lot of the emails you can read in the computers and a lot of little notes you find around the station. This doesn't feel like some evil sci-fi laboratory. This feels like a real office space. These people feel real, like your average people that you see at a desk job or at a grocery store. Just average Joes who are working in a science station. I'll never forget, I, I found a room where it seems like before the Typhon attacked, a bunch of employees were in the middle of a D&D &D game. 
I don't know if you guys yeah. ever found that room or not. Oh, there's a whole side quest around that. Yeah. Their D&D treasure chests or treasure I, map. Oh, okay. I I disregard treasure map side quests. I always do. I don't want to put the work into figuring out whatever the treasure maps are trying to tell me. That Maybe that's a flaw of mine, but I've played a ton of games that give you the random treasure maps, and I always ignore them. But was this it a good not quest? specific enough. I, I never even finished it because I only... Because first you have to find the treasure maps, which is like in each of like the the people's computers. You have to go into their emails. They were all sent individually, the, the their own personal maps. And then each of them had a piece to the, the final treasure chest. I only ever found one of the four maps. Uh, and I... I could not find the other three. I didn't. I didn't look too hard into it. I wish I had done that one. It's one of the side quests. I wish I invested more. And in. I was hoping someone here did that side quest, but I don't know if anyone did. I found most of the maps because the the one thing I was kind of anal about doing every single time I could is I was going to every computer, reading every email if I could. That also another one of my favorite parts of the game. I thought the storytelling within the emails was very good. Uh, maybe even overall my highlight of the story because the main plot line, I think it's about time we get into it more. I think the main plot line is good, but at a certain point, it it doesn't have much variation to it. And what I mean by that is I didn't feel like we were really ramping up to anything. It was more just you always kind of had a goal in mind. And then at the end you can decide like, are you going to go through with that goal? Or are you going to do like something, something different? They give you different options. And I actually do want to spoil it at this point. What like Mark, what did you choose for your ending? The very ending. Yes. Um. At first, I was going to side with Alex and be like, "Okay, maybe we can take this on together. We're brothers." But then I remembered the one spoiler thing I knew. This whole starting the game was like, "Wait, I know you play as an alien, actually, though." So I was like, "Wait, does Alex know I'm also an alien? Like, did did Morgan wipe his memories because he understood he was too infected in the process? He understood it was bad and just wanted to try to set the." Slate clean is Alex also an alien? Should I not be trusting him? So like I, I was working on that ending, putting uh I forget what they're called. You have to like uh like these kind of special points where you have to put like these bombs, I think, that you have to detonate ultimately to try to wipe out the alien that's attacking at the very end. And halfway through that I'm just like, wait, I'm the alien. This is probably not good. I'm not doing this. I'm just gonna go blow up the ship. I can't trust anything, can't trust anyone right now. I don't really trust January either. Uh, but if I blow this up, what's the worst that could happen? And that's the ending I got. And then at the very end, when uh, all the robots and Alex are there to question you, everyone ultimately had good things to say, except early on in the game, when there's the one prisoner, uh, I chose to let him get eaten by aliens because I wanted to see what would happen. Mm. They, were, they were not very thrilled about that. They're like, why would he do that? Why would he sit there and just let this guy get eaten? And I'm just thinking, I, I wanted to see what would happen. That, I wanted, that I wanted to know. Life, by the way, voiced by famous actor Walter Goggins. Walton Goggins. Walton did him, Goggins. Did, did, did we go over don't, this on don't. the last one? On no, we talked about it on Xbox, I thought. Oh, okay. I, I don't remember yeah. when we talked about it. 
I don't know, and again, okay, because I haven't talked to Mark about this. I don't think you'll know the names of these actors, but have you noticed? Did you at all notice just some of the big names that they had throughout this game? Absolutely not. I'm terrible with knowing actors. I I didn't recognize a single person in this game. They had, I mean, Benedict Wong is a famous actor. He voiced Alex. Walter, like, Walt, I caught myself, Walton Goggins voices a random inmate in Talos 1. And there were other actors, I can't exactly remember their name. I just don't understand how Arcane got these big actors for these random one-off roles. It it impressed me. It impressed me. I'm I'm a fan of good voice acting, but Peter, I know you didn't notice any issues when I talked to you about it before. Mark, did you notice was the audio for dialogue did it sound really weird in your playthrough or was this on my end with my speakers? Because something with the sound mixing of the game made dialogue sound entirely different from everything everything around me and it kind of drove me nuts did you notice any difference i mean nothing really stood out to me it all i mean everything sounded differently if it was on a comm if someone was in a spacesuit or if they were actually standing in front of you which all of that i feel like in each case by case sounded the way i thought it should have sounded and it didn't bother me so i i can't say that i thought there was a problem there no it didn't bug me I don't know. Maybe it was just my speakers, but I guess the only way I could describe what was happening is there was a normal sound to the world and getting comms and stuff and everything sounded like it went together. And then when someone would speak, it would almost sound like their audio was being played back from from a YouTube video that was a higher volume than everything around it. And it, it just threw me off. I'd be interested to know if anyone else had that same experience or not, but back to the endings, just to give a little more context, some people might be listening just to hear about the game and they don't know everything. The twist at the end is basically revealed that you're a phantom who was put through a simulation. So it's pretty much the meme of like, is anything real? Are we all in a simulation? That's pretty much the ending. And my choices, I ended up saving Igwe. I, I saved the inmate, but what I did do as a test is I did one of my saves beforehand I freed him just to see what he was going to do. And then he didn't he didn't open the room for me right away that he eventually opens for you, which is just like a supply closet type room. So I was like, what's going on here? And I just decided to shoot him. And then January was just like, January was just like, that was a man. He may not have done good things, but you just took his life without hesitation. And I was just like, oh, that was pretty threatening. And then I loaded back and he uh, he ended up opening the door for me and I let him live. But 
uh, I also decided to blow up Talos 1 because that's what you're working towards the entire game. And I didn't really know whether or not I was going to get the opportunity to do something different. And then obviously midway through, they let you work with Alex if you want to. I did everything to be able to work with him. But in the end, what I actually did was I went up to the area where you have to choose. January and Alex are fighting. January ends up just knocking out Alex. And the ending that I kept, I debated going back and trying different ones. I I decided to just kill them both and then I blew it up because I was like annoyed by their arguing. So it's like, you know what? You're just <laughs> wow. a robot and your brother's an asshole in this. So everyone's going to die anyway. I kind of wanted it to like be by my hand at the end. I saved Talos one. I teamed up with Alex. I was as soon as you meet him in person, I arms crossed. I was with him the entire time. I saved him when that massive Typhon started eating Talos one. And boy, does Igwe immediately jump on you if you kill him. And leave the simulation and he just made me feel like such a it's it felt like arcane themselves were just bewildered as alex asks everyone okay how do you do igway is just for some unfathomable reason he killed me i didn't present a threat i i I do not understand why he did it but he killed me and I'm just like kind of looking at the ground, looking at my feet, like, oh fuck! Like it's he's really, really mad. And he didn't. I don't think Igwe wanted to let me live because I killed him. But everyone else, actually, I, it was it came close. Two were really big fans. One Igwe, not really. And I believe it was Danielle who, you know what? He didn't get the killer, but he barely killed any humans, and he always went out of his way to save them and keep them safe. So I think he's cool. So they they gave me a choice, and I just shook his hand and decided we're going to save humanity. I think I also Mm -hmm. shook his hand. Oh, yeah, I shook his hand, too. I did not choose to kill humanity. I really liked Alex by the end of the game, but I chose against him because at that last minute, I thought he was also an alien trying to save the aliens and actually be one of them and i said nah i will not do this you kind of psyched yourself out with the knowledge that you had going in absolutely because the end of the game i didn't know who to trust i didn't trust anybody even like there's the one december side quest that opens the alternate path where like hey there's an escape pod at the top of the arboretum uh you can just take it and leave and that's one of that's a different way to end the game oh. just fucking bail oh yeah oh my god i i didn't i left out a major portion not only did I do one of my saves when I first discovered the December thing and I went through it, I just took the escape pod right away to see what would happen. And January and Alex both get on your comms and are just like, wow, didn't realize you're a quitter. And then <laughs> and then it just makes you load back. But after I killed January and Alex and blew it up, I did take the escape pod. So oh, really? I, I, I decided like I'm going full chaos with this ending. Because I like, I it's, like it's kind of is. it's kind of a I guess it's kind of a nihilistic world that I at least I saw it as because the entire time I was working towards like 
I guess I'm just going to blow this place up. That does seem like the right thing to do. And even when I would come across humans, there's a weird aspect of nuance that obviously the game wasn't going to identify. At least I don't think so. But it was going through my head specifically when you come across Michaela and she's dying and you have to get her medicine to help her live. I debated like I'm going to give her the medicine because I almost want like I want her to feel good and have good memories. But I I was wondering, knowing what I'm going to do to this place, is it almost better to like end it now in some ways like uh almost like a euthanasia argument only it's a video game so it's not that serious but i was considering the morals of how moral is it for me to save someone just to take it away from them in the end pretty much for me michaela died because i didn't even see that there was a side quest to give her medicine Oh no! They must have hated you. They fucking hated your guts at that last scene, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, it was bad. But also another thing where the gameplay got in the way. I was like, "I'm dying! I'm dying!" I look outside to see the medical robot just floating around, and I'm thinking to myself, "Why the fuck don't you just get scanned by the medical robot?" I was also (laughs) wondering that. I was by a phantom, (laughs) and I'm fine. Get the fuck up. And I just, she kept, I, and I just got annoyed because I didn't realize there was medicine. I, she just kept saying, I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm like, would you stop complaining? There's a med robot literally right outside. I get eaten by a monster and it heals me right up. I'm sure it can cure you. Quit, quit being a fucking whining baby about it. And then I left. And then like half an hour later, it says I failed the quest that I wasn't even aware I had as she gives her dying breath in January's. Just like, wow, you really didn't care, huh? You really didn't care that she died. You really felt nothing. That's kind of concerning. January, I, I, I didn't even know she was dying. I just thought she felt sick. I just missed everything with Mc- I don't know why. I've All of her shit just went completely over my head. I got annoyed at the game. I kept, like, I was luring the medical robot into the room. I was physically pushing it in so I could get it next to her and it wasn't doing anything. And I got pissed off and I just left her. Well, I, I suppose that somewhat goes along with my moral conundrum here. Um, I was just thinking more about, I, I actually can't believe that I decided to kill both parties and then take the escape pod because I just remembered that as you're leaving in the escape pod, Michaela is very on board for blowing everything up because she doesn't want anything making it to Earth. And then as you're taking the escape pod, she's just like, wait, what? why is there an escape pod launching? Like, you, you're blowing up this place and you're just leaving? <laughs> And the answer is yes. That's exactly what I did. But in the end, the the characters didn't really hate me. They took issue with some things. And even one moment I thought was interesting was one of the characters says to Alex as they're debating my morality, like, yeah, but he killed you. And Alex is just like, yeah, well, 
maybe at that time I would have killed me too. And it's like, <laughs> oh. Good God. Sorry, um, Alex. I I don't know. I, I like the story a lot. Just there, I needed a few more memorable moments at the end. Oh, actually, this is where I was leading to. One thing that was really stupid, I thought, the like mercenary type character that oh, comes in dull. near the end. What was his name? Something dull. I don't know, but I know he was voiced by Steve Blum, so I just kept calling him Steve. Wow. Who's Steve Blum? He's one of the most famous actors, I would say, uh, voice actors in anime. I would say he's also very apparent in games. I'm trying to think of so I'm I can think of characters who he voices, but I know you don't know them, so I'm we can not move on. What did you guys yeah. think of that character, though? He was a plot device, not really a character. I later learned you could befriend him, which what? That's an wow. Ikue quest. That's an Ikue quest. Yeah. yeah, you can. You can. If I I looked into it, if Ikue is alive, because you're not a fucking idiot like me. Igwe, there's a mission you can do where if you stun him and you take him alive, you can bring him to Igwe, and Igwe can, I believe, reprogram him in a way and basically take out some of his abilities. I think he has neuromods or something. Is that basically Igwe can disarm him and reason with him, and then he joins your aid and he helps you and the other survivors escape on his ship. Because he's the only one oh. that can that can drive the space shuttle that's there. And it, it is the mechanic of Igwe removes the neuromods, he loses his memory, but I guess somehow he remembers how to drive a space shuttle. Yeah, I mean, like I think it's the, the way that it works in worlds that you lose the memories of up to the point when the neuromod was installed. Oh, right, you're right. I didn't kill Dahl. I snuck up behind him, stunned him with the stun gun, and then dragged his body out, hoping it would trigger something. And I believe Igwe actually did bring up that the fact that I spared Dahl made me made him like me a little more than his otherwise justified hatred of me. I walked into the room that he was in and handled him like the cafeteria killer, and I just blasted him away immediately. I like didn't even let him speak to me. <laughs> I tried brainwashing him so he'd work for me, but the mind control wore off after a while. So I was like, "Ah, oh, shit! What do I do?" I kept gluing him, gluing him. He still would break free, and then I stunned him, and then that was enough to make him unconscious permanently. And I saved him. I just kind of rolled with that. I wanted him to be my slave of some sort. I wanted him to work with me, but no, it didn't work out that way. Um, I'm surprised that you didn't see the Igwe quest. I, I definitely started it, I think. Like, oh. especially because I saved him. Uh, I think at that point, I was kind of skeptical of joining Igwe, or listening to what Igwe had to say. Because I was very Team Michaela by the end of it, and what she had to say. And she was very much about blowing everything up. And I was like, yeah, that's what I was going to do, too. I'm going to listen to you, and not him. Whatever he says is wrong. I tried but, to be uh, Team somebody, but I kept letting everybody down. And I said, there were no teams left to join. You said you saved Danielle's show earlier in the game? I believe. Are you able to? I'm. I'm like, getting. I don't I, think she died. I mean, I never saw her die, but like, I oh, never. Okay. You said I you got her to record a message for you, which is not something I ever did. Like, I, I yeah. saw to use the samples, did even though ever, I had met her. Did you ever? When? When did you meet her? Or did you ever? 
I met like I did the first step of the uh the the cafeteria guy, uh the faker volunteer man. Because I go, you go into there when he locks you in the freezer. That's when you find out uh, Daniel's lover Abigail is dead in the freezer, and you get the log where it says, "Hey, go knock on the window in the gymnasium area for the crew quarters." I yeah, do that. Cool. I talk with her there. At that point, I already found enough voice samples, so maybe that's why I, yeah, I didn't ask her for the recording. Because I was at fifty percent, I go out there, I find her, and then she just records a message, basically calling Alex a dickhead. And then I go up to the door, I I play her recording of her calling Alex a dickhead, and then I don't need any other voice recordings, and I'm just good to go. I never went out of the ship to go see her. I saw her through a glass window. Neither did I. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, I, she literally just said the recording, I believe, or... Huh, now I'm misremembering, I feel like. Maybe I did see her a second time. All I know is I didn't have to get 100% voice recordings because she just recorded her message of hating Alex. And then I took that recording, played it for the door, and then I got through it to the next part of Talos 1. I'm going to look up, if you can, save her. Because I think in that email, I think it's in the email, that she sends you about the cafeteria guy being a volunteer. I think it says like oxygen getting low but here's this information it says something along the lines of that but keep talking amongst yourselves while i while i look this up here i just if i really i do hope arcane announces a prey too because as we're talking more and more about it i while i do think the game did go on a little bit too long in the end and while the gunplay did not feel good I still really, I really did like Prey. I really did. It's an, it, a survival horror is not a genre I play at all. And really, still after this, not one I intend to get fully invested in. But I really like the world of Prey. I really like the narrative it was telling. I loved how well Talos One felt fleshed out and the characters that once lived in it. I hate the mimics. With a burning passion, and that's a question we haven't talked about. Did the game ever really scare you guys at all? Were you ever scared by Prey? Oh, not ever. I was never spooked in this game. I didn't think this game was scary at all, honestly. I got. I wouldn't even call it survival horror, honestly. I would just call this a, an immersive sim. I got I, scared a lot. I, I definitely see how someone could have got scared. For some reason, it didn't really get me, except I had one moment. Did you guys did you guys ever take the lift and like the power would go out pretty that much? One. That happened to me. That happened to me. Did that happen to you, Mark? Mark. Hello. Mark. Did we lose him? You might be That's muted. No but anyways, that moment the power like kind of flickers and then all of a sudden in this tiny elevator a phantom is just next to you. And that moment, that moment got me a little bit. Now that moment did not get me because I had my back turned and then I just took damage. I'm like, wait, what the fuck's going on? And then I just see a phantom there. I'm like, Oh, okay. And then I shot him with the shotgun. A moment that got me. Did you ever enter that one manager's office who had the personal movie room to himself? 
manager's office, personal movie room. It's not ringing a bell, but I might have. Maybe the moment will stand out to me. What What do you have? So you go down there, and I believe it's a side mission. You go down there, and you have to play a video of his onto his screen. And as the movie's going, it's going, it's playing, nothing really out of the ordinary. Then halfway through the footage, something to the left of the screen starts coming into being. Some it looks like a humanoid figure. And as it gets more and more, it's a phantom. And it's completely out of place from the rest of the film. And I'm like, I go up to him like, why the fuck is there a phantom here? Then the screen breaks and it grabs me because a phantom just walks up behind the screen and starts attacking you. And I screamed bloody murder and I threw my (laughs) controller. That moment got me so fucking bad because I, I thought I was safe. I did not think there were any enemies. I was good. I'm watching this generic film. And then the phantom slowly appears and I just think, oh, it's just like, is the game glitching or something? That's really weird. I walk up to it to investigate, and then it leaks out and attacks me. The whole room gets destroyed. And I screamed so fucking loud. That I did is not get that side quest. Uh, I wish I did. That sounds like a really cool one, honestly. That moment, I I had to walk it. I had to walk around the house. Like, not, it wasn't a long one. I went upstairs. I got a drink. I had to take a break because I was embarrassed at how scared i allowed myself to get in that moment i was a fuck it was a joke i really should not have allowed myself to get that way i think we're at a point of final thoughts i'll i'll give mine first overall i i like this game quite a bit i'm not sure if i like it enough for a sequel but i think it's with the caveat that i would like a sequel much more if they can tighten the gameplay more and make it something a little more worth engaging with because I wanted to be able to experience the, the challenging survival horror immersive sim elements, but I just couldn't really push myself through the fact that I didn't like the gameplay very much. But beyond that, Obviously, that's a big that's a big but. When it comes to the story that they told within the world and story that they're telling within gameplay, technically with reading emails and stuff, and the choices you get towards the end, I was I was pretty impressed with all of those elements. There, there's clearly something here. They just didn't put it all together, and I I'm only interested in a prey to if they really can put it all together. If if it's going to be another Prey 1, then I think you can keep it. Um I think it's fine to just have one of these. But there really there really is something here. Mark, I want to toss it to you for your final thoughts. I think uh to reiterate on the problems I really had, I just thought like combat wasn't the most interesting and when combat was there, it was really really rough and tough to engage with for early on because you have such limited resources. I, I think adding a couple extra enemy types would have made things a bit more interesting because there's like, you have Mimic and Greater Mimic, which is Bigger Mimic, and you have Phantom, and then you have Fire Phantom and Electric Phantom, and that's that's it. Just like those two. Then there's 
a couple others I don't remember the name of that I think also fit the same bill of different themes of the same couple enemies. And there's, I think there's only two others that can come to mind. But narratively, I think this game really is where it shines. I compare it uh, in my mind to a lot of what like Bioshock was going for with its twist on uh, Peter. You've never played Bioshock, right? No, but obviously I know the twist. Okay, Chad, that would you kindly where it like makes you think maybe I should be questioning the objectives uh, I should be I am being given, which I think was a very I, I think it's a more interesting, not necessarily direct take on that, but a lot of the games kind of trying to the, the game turns out at the end that you're just being tested to see if this uh, mimic that has been fused with Morgan can be taught empathy and kind of learning from your the decisions you make because you're kind of immediately just set out on this task is like okay you don't remember anything just listen to me we need to blow up the spaceship and that's it's not as kind of like clear cut like that's the good ending or that's the bad ending i don't want to say i think it's it's a gray in each area of course of how you can except if you're just going to fucking bail on the escape pod then that one is just you left you you got out of here but i i really like the the story is trying to tell about empathy and trying to teach that to to you and trying to make you kind of more you the player more what's the word i'm looking for not active but uh, trying to challenge uh your agency in a situation like you're you know you know there are things you could do morally better or even worse in the situation even though you don't have to and will you do it and then that game kind of asks you like was it worth it and i i don't want to say it necessarily rewards you let's say but it acknowledges uh going the extra mile to do a lot of the, the nicer things, which is not killing people and taking care of the people in the spaceship when you didn't have to. Uh, and even more endings along the lines of you can escape with everybody, which I kind of wish maybe I had done that, but I, I, I wasn't far enough long in certain side quests to do that, unfortunately. I really like the game story. It's great. I don't think we need a sequel because I think this is a fully contained story right here. I just think Arcane needs to do something more, but with Microsoft money, they're going to be able to do whatever whatever they want. So, go go Arcane. That's what I got to say. Peter? I hope there is a sequel. I want to live in my dream world where if there is a sequel, Mimics are out of it, because Mimics jump-scared me almost every time. They consistently made me pause the game in frustration because I got mad at myself for getting scared. I really like the world they set up, and the way the game ends does sort of point to a Prey 2 if they ever want to make it. And with the success Game Pass is having, I think, as you've seen with us, I do believe Prey is having a resurgence in many people who never got around to it the first time are now dipping their toes in and Prey is getting a lot of new fans right now. And now that Bethesda has the financial backing of Microsoft and Microsoft is going to want as many first party titles on Game Pass as possible. I could definitely see Arcade making a Prey 2 one day. And I will welcome it. I don't know if I'll play it right away when it comes out. I think there's a lot they need to work on with the gameplay and the movement and just feeling. I I want to feel like there's more freedom and not like I have cinder blocks chained to my feet. 
And I think there's a lot of potential in Prey. And yeah, I hope I I do hope we see more. I did thoroughly enjoy this game. Overall, final final thing, I'm this was a very good game to pick for this. Because I'm not sure if I would have played it on my own. But I would not have. Yeah. I'm happy that I did. It's also I know, Mark, you bought your own copy for PlayStation, but it really it is a perfect Game Pass game. It's the perfect type of game to just try out, see if you like it, and it's almost like gravy, the fact that it is a pretty good experience. So hopefully everything comes through when it comes to the idea of Arcane having Microsoft money now, because I really do think Arcane's a very talented studio. And I want to make sure that they're put in a in a good spot to become one of the top tier studios. Because I think they do have that potential. But regardless, maybe that's a conversation for another day. This has been the BNY Gaming Podcast. And we are signing off until next week. Get vaccinated, everybody. And don't play Warzone. Uh, they killed Crash Bandicoot. Warzone is awful now. Warzone has killed Tony Hawk and Crash Bandicoot. Stay away, please. Warzone is still good. Play Warzone, but rest in peace, Crash. Blood's on your hand, Peter. Blood's on your hand. Goodbye, everybody.